0: to another episode of three wise dms the podcast where three dungeon masters who be doing this for way too long talk about all the things we do to try to make our games as good as they can be
1: hi i'm tony i'm chris
2: let's give them something to talk about Let's give them something to talk about. Let's give 'em something to talk about how about love? Love? Uh, that's
1: Very right? nice.
2: But so hello everyone again. DM Dave, rock and roll DM. Yes, Bonnie Raitt. The only time Bonnie Raitt will probably appear, because I don't know a lot of her tunes. She's a killer guitar player, but like I don't do, you know. But I was kind of channeling Will Ferrell from Step Brothers there when he does that one, because that's all I started to think about earlier today, <laughs> and I just was laughing to myself. So <laughs> Nice. Do yourself a favor, audience, and go watch Step Brothers for either the first time, if you live under a rock or, again, and enjoy that part from 3 YZMs, There you go. So that's our public service announcement. So we have a, a an interesting episode today. We actually so I I brought this to, to you guys about this thing I saw on Facebook. I'm scrolling through doing our socials and I see an interesting question that somebody threw up. It might have been in like 5E beginners, po, you know, page or something like that. But it was kind of revolving around getting players to talk amongst themselves and the way I took that was kind of talking amongst themselves not like okay what's the plan guys what do we want to do do we want to go left right do we want to head to the city but role-playing amongst themselves so that that's where we're going to start
3: today so what do you guys think well, if the players are not talking amongst themselves, one reason that may be the case is one of the particular players does not feel they have a stake in this particular conversation. You know, it's kind of like a basketball thing. Like,
1: I can't make this shot pass. I think it's uh, the it's need to wait. You need to give people something to talk about. Like, I think right? like, you need to like to, kind of funny enough that I actually had it written in my notes and then you sang it. But literally, like, I think giving people a little bit of something to deliver to the group, like a secret or something that you can give them through an email or a text or something about their background that they actually have something to offer. Because a lot of role play you're struggling with trying to think about what the hell am I going to say, right? It's not that you don't want to role play. It's that it's difficult to be, you know, to learn to act that way. Yeah, uh,
2: Chris, I, I would go right off that. It's actually funny because I kind of was was making a couple notes for myself with this. And that's generally where I went to as well. And it's something that I have been playing with a lot more now in our Dragonlance campaign. So we've talked about it, but. Uh, I've done a lot more of this narrative side stuff with people, right? So stuff about their story, about what their character is doing within a scene or off scene outside of the game that then comes back into the game, but fills out the character more. But what I did beyond just, Hey, what is Sir William, Tony's character doing? Hey, what is Rasguedo? And this stuff matters to you. But what I've also started to play with is literally dropping the secrets and clues idea like you were just talking about the Mike Shay thing into other people's b- stories. So I'll take stuff that will affect rasguedo and I'll throw it in Eva's story. I will take Adrian's stuff and throw it in Mikros's story causing like the only way you're going to learn that stuff really is talking amongst yourselves. What I do to, you know, enable English. that a little bit more is I'm sure everyone has ex- has experienced this when they're behind the screen. When someone is starting to talk, even if they're talking in character, they're talking out of character, whatever it may be, they're talking to the DM directly to the DM, even if they're wanting to talk to the player that's literally sitting right next to them. So Mm -hmm. what I have started to do is I will look away and I'll look to the player that they want to talk to. And then I'll say, ask them, ask that player. In character, you know, it's within
1: character, and it, you don't have to do a voice or whatever. But I'm gonna see you walk around and stand behind people now or something like that. Get all <laughs> awkward, so they're like, yeah, they have to do, like you squat down behind them. Mike, you want to look and at me? Fine.
3: then I'm gonna walk over here. Yeah, <laughs> that's neat. And I think it's really interest. it's really easy, rather, for players not to relate to Volt's things about themselves or have conversations. Why? Because it's always like we got to go here. It's urgent. We have to deal with this. And like maybe dialogues in between a tense event, and you have like this moment of levity, like when you're maybe really shopping real fast, and then you're running out, you know, hitting the trail. That's why you know I've been doing these the fireside chat, haha, uh, idea where it's oh the en- yeah, the end of the day, you've made camp. I've broken you up, and now I'm gonna throw out and you know I kind of like prompt it and say the conversation turns to this. So I mean, I could throw in a counter where some goblins attack you from the bushes, or each of you can reveal something that's pertinent to your characters that'll kind of give us all some insight on who you actually are, you know, and then I reward them. It's like I actually stole that idea a
1: little bit for yeah. the uh, for the for the first episode of return to the further the Wednesday Nighters campaign, but uh it's like collaborative role-playing encounters. It's giving them something to talk about, like, and talking about the one, the one I liked the most that you did was where you had some tell us a story from your youth or whatever like that. And so it was like, you could take something from your background, but you, you kind of wanted to kind of come up with your own kind of story there, which really kind of spurs people uh, interacting. Yeah. Uh, the first time I saw a, a, the,
2: the hint of this, was some of the stuff, Chris, that you were doing in the Tomb of Annihilation game with mm-hmm. campfires. Now, it was a little bit different. It was more of a mechanic to deal with the issues surrounding the way rests happen in mm-hmm. that adventure, right? Yeah. But now, Tony, that's a good point. In the Ragnarok campaign, you've started that where you do the fireside chat or the campfire tales, and it's something that I've actually looked looked into a little bit, too, where you have, you can look up online, just Google out, you know, Campfire Tales d d something like that. And you will find a whole list. I mean, people have made lists and lists. And in essence, it's just a story prompt. And it says, tell me something about this, or tell a story about X, or tell your favorite memory about Y, or what was the worst uh, enemy that you fought so far, something like that. And I took something similar to that, During the very beginning of the Dragonlance campaign with Ispin's funeral, where I had written out, which was a bit of a, it was a, it was a heavy lift for you guys, but I felt comfortable enough with, with this crew. You know, you all know each other anyway, as friends, but then you're also experienced role players. But I just wrote on index cards. I wrote several story prompts about, tell us about the time Ispin did X, Y, and Z. So in essence, like you would do at a memorial service, you're telling stories of the person who's passed and I handed them out. And then when it came time during the ceremony, I had them flip over their card. I think I made you guys roll for which card you got or something like that, too. (laughs) And then they could flip it over when it was their turn and only then. So no one knew what was happening until you flip it over. You have this story prompt and then welcome to improv class, right? But you guys ran with it. But that was a way, that's also kind of a way that you can start to have people give them something. Give them something. That's all like we're going to keep saying it, right? But give them something to share, you know? Uh, the only thing you're going to run into, though, which I'm sure we're going to say, is what do we do with the character that doesn't want to talk except to say, I'm going to shoot my bow and I'm going to go over there and hide.
3: In the uh, funeral scene... Yeah, you were talking about doing some fast improv. What was <laughs> neat about that, and kind of effed up about it in the same breath was, it wasn't like, hey, tell me a story about your character. Okay, no. I wrote this character. You wish. No, Isbin Greenshield was apparently your friend, and you're going to tell a story about Isbin oh. and you in this context. So, like, this is really, like, whose line is it anyway? And I'm telling a story about how we're at a campfire, and we got attacked, and all this stuff that, you know, I just made up right there. Like, and that was, yeah. that was fun. That was definitely different. Now, as far as grabbing the, the player who, you know, wants to shoot their bow, hide, and they're more removed, maybe there's reasons surrounding that. Maybe that's their personality. Maybe that scene really isn't, you know, their cup of tea, but... There's other hooks you could do
1: to to pull them in. No, even the stuff like uh, montages we were uh, messing with a little bit, where you can take something as simple as a challenge or something like that and turn it into something that's role play based. So it's not like, all right, make a DC 15 athletics check here. It's like you tell me something that happened and you on the other side of the table tell me how it is that you're going to fix this. You have to make sure you kind of set it up like because you it can get a little bit out of hand sometimes and then create some pretty unique uh you know challenges there, but it's that same kind of collaborative role playing where they have a, a seat of something to work with versus just you know wandering around being like, What's the quest or what's the next kind of thing there? You know. Yeah, Chris, that's actually
2: that's something that I took again. That was straight out of the tomb game um that you were running because again you were the first one to really have to run one of the 5e e hex crawls that they that we've talked about a little bit where we they put these in the adventures and don't really give you the tools necessary to run a hex crawl in a in a way that's really enjoyable or or immersive for more than a couple sessions maybe right so you did your homework and you started to you know go online and look up additional resources to get these and you had that travel montage which was cool and you would say okay dave tell me something that you know the party comes along in the day an issue and uh luke tell me how we got out of it but as we found out we can get pretty wild with like it's there's one thing about like well you come upon a uh you know a canyon and you have to get across and then there's another like oh well you got attacked and you're poisoned now with, he like, was getting you know, free. yeah, with, like, you're dying.
1: So, yeah. I'm you know, looking for more like a broken wagon wheel. I'm thinking maybe of like a, like here, a yeah.
2: medicine check, right? <laughs> and with that, so I took so many, so many things from that tomb game because you were really starting to introduce a lot of stuff that was really fun to play with, like, fun ideas about how to do things a little different. So, we've talked a little about the hex crawl game that I started to try to build out to try to give some level of a game within a game in the Dragonlance uh, campaign. But one of the things I literally took from your playbook, Chris, with that, where one of the things that people can pull with the cards that we've done is the yes and card. And so the way it is, because I got them right here, it says yes and the player who drew the card describes an event, location or obstacle that the party encounters the player to their left must describe the resolution to this encounter. And then I wrote a skill challenge is required because for me, that created a level of understanding with the players that, oh, well, when a skill challenge is required for this. Well, now it kind of there's consequences, possibly yeah, where brown if brown I players. just get to say yeah. things, then, you know, like you said a couple episodes ago, Chris, you know, at some point, it's just, you know, we're playing with G.I. Joe's in our backyard, you know, and telling a story. and That's cool. But. You know, the dice need to come in. So that was something where I did to make the players really think. And Tony, as you said, the one the one episode that led to a really interesting time that I could drop some big piece of lore on what was seemingly a random event, a counter that happened. You know.
3: Yeah, from that article that I actually never got around to writing about what was should be your DM's tool chest, Uh, (laughs) a a lore drop you have in the chamber that's really a great time because it feels really organic like you got some bits you want to put out there and you're like but i just want to have some random slob at a bar they're like yeah did you know about your father chris like, uh, <laughs> like that wouldn't have worked but you know we're, we're out in the wilderness you find a tree and it was really it hit all the notes now as far as getting people to interact and you know as much as they have them enjoy the game to their fullest If you have, like, four out of five people who thought that scene or that entire game was really awesome, well, you still have to kind of, like, loop around and get that fifth person. So, like I was talking about, like, there's ways to to pull them in. I mean, you go for their quirks, their backstory, and if they have skills, maybe they don't see the tie-in, why they could be involved in this particular scene, but you could point it out to them, like, hey, you know, aren't you really fantastic with medicine? Why don't you try to apply this? And they're like, oh, yeah, and now bring everybody in
1: you know and we were kind of this on it a little bit at the beginning but in many ways combat or like something where you have to do something tactical gets people talking to one another right all of a sudden they're coming up with a plan and stuff and so people mm-hmm. that aren't big role players that don't feel comfortable having a voice and acting like that, get to contribute a little bit. They get to be part of the plan. They get the thing, they'll talk then because it's not right. There's not like the consequences if I have to roll or do this other thing. It's more like we're, you know, trying to create something. So I think, you know, you want the role play to be a little bit more genuine, but for something like that, sometimes if they're not talking, just throw a big random encounter there and they'll start be like, you know, yelling back and forth and having all kinds of, you know, they'll have a lot of opportunities for role play stuff.
2: No, it's an interesting point, Chris. Like I at first I was thinking so so there's one thing about throwing like combat, like you said, because they're gonna be doing that, but you're you're thinking more in a role play sense. Like just either something like I'm I'm trying to think if we've if we've kind of done that or if it just thought experiment wise, what that
1: looks like for you. I mean that a lot of what we were doing in Fandelver, all of our characters had a unique personality. Mm. I mean, because it's a 5-E thing, there was a lot of combat, but that's there wasn't so much talking in between. There was talking things. So we would get to things and you a lot of the personalities would come out over combat, right? I guess because it's such a large part of the game, or at least for Fandelver it was, right? So it kind of leads to that those are the opportunities you have and they're like low-hanging fruit where you like hit somebody and you yell and all kinds of other stuff where it's difficult to say something noble like you're 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 up in front of the king all of a sudden and you're like um you know can you please help us so
2: well it's good point and what that makes me think of because like with Vandelver, it totally is because we all drop we came right you know rubber hit the road we started and we were already in a character we already had a concept of what we were doing and then as, as happens, right, it, the, the character builds out from there and becomes something that's very, very different, right? But that was with a lot of more experienced role players, right? And we we're were we used to that. We're okay with that because all of us who are in the game run the game too. So you know, that, that adds to it. But I'm thinking too, like for instance, if you have that at your table and you have multiple people that maybe aren't, has experienced in role play and don't understand those things that anything that they do, like you said, if they yell after combat or whatever it might be to really like immediately zero in on that and really try to support that, try to show that like, you know, you know, like, you know, give them a treat kind of thing. Like, yeah, (laughs) perfect. That's good. And like build something off of that. So they feel like, Oh, Oh, this is, that's how I can, this is, this is allowed. This is the way it is.
1: Yeah, well, if you're 5e and it, it's kind of, there's a lot of combat, so I used those opportunities there.
3: As Thorne said many times, you teach your players how your mm. world works. So yeah. if somebody does something cool in a combat or they had a good collaboration and then they get some type of reward, no matter how minor, or even you get a spotlight moment, then the rest of the players are like, hey, okay. And they could take note of that. And hopefully it encourages that uh, to add to the atmosphere of the game going forward.
1: All right. So there's a negative space to all of it where you want to make sure that you don't let it go too far off. Uh, I think it's good to get the players talking and stuff like that. But at a certain point, it has to be constructive. And you'll notice you can read the table to see if someone isn't enjoying it so much there. But I think you need to find ways to be able to identify when it's good, right, and when it's kind of going too far, I need to pull this back. I need to take over. I need to throw something in here—a dice roll or something—to change up the rhythm and kind of get us onto the next role play encounter. Versus this one, which has kind of gone off the rails.
2: I know what you're talking about because we talk about that oftentimes, especially when people are—we play with players that are great role players and they can talk for hours if you yeah. them, Right, <laughs> and while that's fun. And while that's cool, and there can be times where a real heavy role play scene could be the whole, almost the whole session, and it still feels very good. It feels like a great session because of that. But I I agree with you, Chris. I think that there is a difference. And this is the time, because I've said many times I make no apologies, I'm a big fan of some of the live play stuff that's out there, especially things like Critical Role. Uh, and I take a lot of inspiration and even ideas and, and other things out of that. There's a lot of things about the way they run their game that I like. And I want to try to emulate certain things. The one thing I don't want to emulate is that – and we talked about this I, a couple episodes back. I was telling you guys about that Alpha Flight Marvel superheroes. Um, you may want me to run on it for I,
3: you. I get it.
2: Okay. Right? Did you – I don't know if you watched it or not, but um, – <laughs> yeah i linked it in in that episode but that was for an audience and critical role is also for an audience dimension 20 is for an audience all of these have an audience now they do still play the game that they play like i completely think that that matt mercer and that crew if they were at their own table the game would look a lot like that and there would be a lot of interplay because that's what they do for a living So, okay, and maybe you have that kind of crew. But as Tony has said many times, we are still there to play D&D and you do need to move the adventure forward. And too much role play just for the sake of getting the players talking is not necessarily constructive. It can cause the game to slog a little bit. Like we talked an episode or two ago about the different types of slog, you know, role play slog, combat slog, uh, you know, encounter slog, whatever it might be.
3: Yeah. Now, if you have one player who's purchasing a sword and you're having this interaction with it, with the uh, shopkeeper, and they're enjoying themselves, okay. I don't want to kill a scene before its time. I've said this many times. they're really enjoying themselves, and this is where they're going to hang their hat and say, "This is my moment. This is a great. This is a great scene," but it, it can't become you know, a vast part of the evening. Like that's got to get cut somewhere where you have this cool scene. It's fun. You had your laughs to the DM. And I think the DM could feed into that where the DM is like talking in their funny voice. And they're like, ah, oh, ha ha. I'm entertaining everybody. The other guys are like, okay, great. We've got nine things to do. And this guy hasn't even got a sword chip. We haven't left town. <laughs> like nothing's <laughs> happened yet. On a counter one, nada. And yeah, as
2: I'm, you have you said gotta... many times, Tony too, frequency of play really changes that. And, Chris, I know you have something, but, like, something like Critical Role, they're doing a weekly game of four-plus hours, so they can do a whole half-session of the shopkeep, and that's enjoyable because other stuff's happening. But then they're going to be back next week, not next month or three
1: weeks Yeah, And it's a bit of know-your-audience, too, is I can consume Critical Role over... I can stop it. I can pause it. I can get Uh, it up. I can pick it up at the car. Right. Like it's a it's a much more it's much deeper visual medium. I think around the table, it's much more it's a little, little bit more collaborative. And to our point, like, especially as we get older, it's tough to find the time to do this. So you have this four or six hour block here that something has to happen. Like I have to have at least these three things happen tonight, because otherwise there's a bunch of other people here, who, like to Tony's point, that aren't necessarily having the same fun unless the story's sort of moving forward, too, in addition to all of this cool role plays.
2: Yeah, I mean, a great example. Just like the other week, we are actually, from here, this recording, we are heading right into the Lost Minds of Vandelver where, again, DM Lenny's adventure he's been running, which has been awesome. Yes. But with that said, well, it's not a but, because it's an awesome. it's been an awesome adventure. It has well, I'm going to say but because that's the only thing, it's the only thing that I have. But it's not, it's not dismissive, okay? Today will be session 13, and it is – the adventure takes you from first to fifth level. And it's not like we were doing crazy amounts of role play. It's just the nature of games and when you're having to explore caverns and you're having to explore castles and you're having to figure out what you're going to do. And you need to talk to the shopkeeper, and you need to go talk to the mayor and you need to plan things. And we're now 13 – we're going to be 13 sessions in. So what are you going to do? And we were ge- – we're generally playing that more once a week. So that's not too bad. But think about if you got a once-a-month game, that's one year. That's one year. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah.
0: mm-hmm.
1: No, but I mean it's the, the size of it too. We're talking about with like the 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 fandelver a lot of the games, it was like a Tuesday night. So it's a short period of time. Yeah. So it takes – even something where you're like, oh, they've cleared the dungeon in this session. In something like that, you hit a combat or one little kind of thing, and then all of a sudden it's getting to be t- yeah, it's to be time to kind of cut it here, you know? Yeah. So it's like uh, finding the right amount of stuff so that you can get everything across and everybody's having a good, fun time. Yeah, like yeah. back in the day,
3: we get loot, and I'd give like very detailed loot. Well, what do I mean by that? Like this brooch has this value, but I haven't told you yet, your ballparking, you parking use your appraisal skill, and these gems, and I had somebody at the party who was a gem appraiser and cutter, so he would cut these gems for the best value to sell, and yeah, we ab- after a big haul, we absolutely could go to different shops, break in all the money, then go to these different places, and stock up on new items and all this stuff. Why? We were playing three to four nights a week, and yeah. that was totally fine.
2: And there's something about that that is super, like, exciting. Yes. Like, you kind of want to do that. But then you realize, well, again, frequency of play. And I just can't, like, in the Dragonlance game that we're doing right now, I I can't, I don't want to say waste that time. Because if you're having fun, it's not a waste. But I can't waste that time unless we want to be doing, like, a four or five-year campaign in Dragonlance, you know, which is cool But we also like to have new games start too, you know. So (laughs)
1: it's a tough balance. No, I think in any of those adventures need a bit of the editing. As a DM, you kind of come in there, and especially if you run a couple, but you start to kind of carve it up a little bit, like a director would, and says, "I'm gonna, oh, I'm make sure I'm gonna highlight this group or this faction or this scene," so it's uh, makes it a little easier. I mean, and all leveling aside, everybody gets their panties in a bunch
3: because they're like, oh, my God, you're leveling and we're out of room and all this stuff. If the story is progressing, if the characters are progressing, if the characters have goals which are being met, they're getting airtime, they're enjoying their characters. There's character development. Go as far and as long as you want. Then those constraints aren't such a big deal, either how fast or how little you are leveling. That is fine as long as it's not like, you know, a super slow train. Uh, but those beats still need to be hit. It is definitely important. You can detract from that by role-playing in the wrong direction.
1: Yeah, no, you got to find the things to give them, things that generate these things. Kind of to your point, magic items, other things that help to spur this kind of role-play. I can do something with this. It has a story behind it. It's something I can talk about later. So, as
2: I said earlier... This Is kind of a very interesting episode because what we're actually thinking of doing here is we also have a listener question that doesn't fully have to do with what we were just talking about. But I think it kind of does, because when you have one of those really great games that there's a bunch of role play and the players are all everything's firing on all cylinders. We've all had this. You're done the game. It, it's probably a night game, let's say it's. Midnight or something. And you're not going to get to bed for another couple hours because you're just you're like, OK, next session, I got this. and Oh, man, that was so great. Whatever it might be. It can also be the reverse where it almost gets to this this point of like burnout and things like that. So this is actually a returning listener, uh, Jason. Uh, it's Dr. DM for everyone out there uh, mm-hmm. who remembers the episode. And he is an actual doctor, so he should have the name Dr. DM. So there you go. Uh, But he said, I run several games, some during the day, and one, my most frequent, in the evening. I love being a DM and get so excited running games and interacting with my players. Each group is different from the other, so it keeps things very interesting. Though I enjoy myself and love every time we get to play, I find myself mentally tired after games. When the sessions are during the day, a walk or mowing the lawn, often while listening to the podcast, so the tithe has been paid, they Mm -hmm. help to recenter me. Though I find for at least a couple hours after, my brain is a little foggy. When I run the evening game, we often finish around eleven, eleven thirty. It's online, so he doesn't have to worry about travel. However, I have a weird mix of the tiredness, but also struggling to, quote, turn off my brain and stop thinking about the game. This leads to staying up till 1230 or 1 o'clock in the morning. Not grateful for <laughs> work the day after my Wednesday game. Uh, we've all talked about DM burnout, uh, but if there's any advice for this issue, and I think that this, is, this was a great segue because – When you have one of those sessions, you're super jazzed for the next one. But then, on a second point, if the players are doing some of the heavy lifting, you're not having to keep like restarting the bat. You almost become a battery sometimes if there's not a lot of stuff, right?
1: Well, like I think if you're feeling fatigued, I think it's just a little bit of less prep. Like I think probably like you could take what you have and prep a little bit less. That don't get so Deep in the weeds, let it just happen a little bit more naturally if you're feeling like it's just kind of burnout. But I mean, I'm wired after games. I'm wired after shows. Sometimes I just use it right. Like you can identify things It's the most clear thing when you're going through all the different encounters. And oh, I should have done this better. And oh, wait, this guy, you know, like different things you can do there. I mean, use the energy a little bit. But then just, you know, get books, movies, video games. Like he said, go mow the lawn. Like an activity that's like, I like the books, movies and stuff like that because you get some creative stuff there. So like while you're in that heavy creative state, you're watching something or you're playing a game and things happen in there. And you're like, oh, that would be cool for this game or maybe this other campaign I'm doing or something like that. It's a good time to be able to take some stuff in while you're and get your mind off of that.
3: Yeah, I'm a fan of work hard and play hard. The problem is this is your <laughs> playtime. So then how do you take a break from that? Uh, like after Chris's game for your birthday, I didn't think about gaming for like 48 hours. Like there was no <laughs> thoughts. I'm like no, like way too much went into that. Like well, you first, said, you had ahead. said
2: after it, it felt like you were planning a wedding, you know?
3: <laughs> right. I'm like I got him in the limo. I'm like bye. I'm like thank God. Oh my, God. <laughs> that was that was something. But like yeah. after the first game, I ran for Ragnarok. I, had, I, I did actual Norris research. I got back into the mythology. I read it. I read the source material that was provided for it. I took all of your individual stories, tied it together. And after the first game, my initial reaction is like, yes. I will hit the ground. I'm, I'm at my uh, laptop. And Jen's like, are you on drugs? <laughs> like, you <laughs> need to take a break. There's a lot to that. You need that moment to reset. And I feel like, you know, yeah, you definitely need that because you. That's fine for game one, two, three. You're seven or eight. Like you're gonna be like, you're gonna be getting ready for your prep and be like, oh god, no, please, not that, not, no.
2: Yeah, and when we're talking, I mean, it's because it's the way it's sounding from Jason's question too is that like this is a weekly kind of game that he's running. Um out. so this is not probably great advice but it's my advice for myself here is that I myself do not run weeknight games. One, I can't cuz I just I don't have the right especially now my schedule just got even more booked up. I don't have the time to do that. When we were I I joined the Tuesday Nighters group that we're finishing out now a couple couple Sunday sessions things like that to finish it out. One I wasn't running it and two Chris, like you said, we would be, we would finish out about you know nine o'clock or so because we all had work the next day, so it would be a shorter session. Because I just I I could not run a weeknight game not with my schedule. So I think some of that has to do with
1: with your players and and that's not always a it's you not know, great the necessarily. Yeah. I'm the, based, like we did the the further and we're doing the return to further now, and you have to definitely uh you have to focus your prep. You have to understand what it is that you need. Like I used, I'm like a lazy DM guy, but I use using that and I've stripped it down to this is what makes a good session. These are the things that I need for tonight. Right. For this many hours, it's going to be two hours or two and a half hours that night. And it's good. But the one thing that you want to have is you want to have some done some work on it beforehand like it's kind of it can get tough if you have a weekly game and you're weekly having to have a deadline of having to come up with something and i think i mean truly that it that could be fatiguing when in the in the original further where i didn't have a clear line it was kind of like spiraling out right and i was writing it as it was going it starts to become like the deadline oh like you need one for tuesday night like it's coming up so on monday yeah. you're like pumping something out you're like this is it like you finally figure out something so that can get fatiguing. So for the return of the further, I'm reskinning a bunch of stuff and then just layering in on top. And so I spent a whole lot of time with the layer on top stuff, but not worrying so much about combat encounters because I don't do them well. Like, I'm just, you know, I get you just and I'm learning, but they're not like building them isn't my strong suit. So I'm like, I'm going to let these guys build them. And then I can focus on this part right here where I have a really good idea. Right. And it can be much more focused
2: so that's a that's great thing chris i mean you you uh, you admit uh because i know what you're talking about when you're building your own encounters sometimes you understand it but it doesn't like it's easier if you could just grab something because then you can make an adjustment if you want to but you don't have to do take the time to make it out but you're playing to your strengths too and your strengths are story and backstory stuff and lore and things like that so yeah absolutely focusing your prep in, and playing to your strengths a little bit
3: and, which is fantastic, and that you should definitely play to your strengths. But one of the traps, like building a town, here's another trap. Building a super complicated, evolving plot. And <laughs> yes. that as a whole, you can keep digging, and you're like, is it deep enough? Maybe not. You just keep digging and digging, or keep adding and adding to it. No matter how intense or involved your plot is, it's got to be able to be summed up in a reasonable way concise fashion and plot is incredibly important so the stakes are high i don't care how good the actors are in the movie if the plot sucks the movie's going to be probably mediocre at best so keep it concise keep it direct and structured i know for more experienced dms there's this kind of onus on it where it's like i need to produce this literary masterpiece that tolkien or gygax would be would give you a nod for it but you can't do that every week nor should you because it's the, the, the time and everything that the wheels that we spun on that like final fantasy seven was my one of my favorite video games of all time try to give me a
1: summary of that game in a couple sentences i dare you because well, you, you can't a team of people working on that for years and years to write that entire story so it wasn't just a single person even writing that stuff
2: yeah no, no. absolutely Tony. i mean tony to your point with the uh make your your You shouldn't have you didn't you don't need these token level uh, campaign plots and twists. I will add to this after this point. But that is absolutely true, because, I mean, look at take any adventure right now. Take a take a book off your shelf. I don't care what one and just turn it over and look on the back flat, right? The back cover. They have a paragraph that completely encapsulates the entire adventure. Mm -hmm. This is it. (laughs) This is the adventure. That is the plot. Everything that happens in that and from that, okay, that's awesome. But there is no reason you have to have this stuff built out, uh, nor should you, because that's that's the road to uh, to frustration, because you have. Yeah, you have to let your players push into that and see where they're taking it. I've said it many times with some of the the cool lore things that I that I think I've pulled off in some of the games, in Strahd and in Dragonlance, they built over the course of the campaign. The majority of them, I didn't have. Uh, maybe a couple, I had the idea right at the get-go, and then it built out from there, but even those changed. But the majority of them happened 6, 10, 12, 24 sessions into play. Um, So, yeah, there's no reason because the plot will happen. But any Uh any movie, I mean, you could take any movie and say, what's the plot? Well, it's a very quick synopsis. And then that can build into something huge like Star Wars. But the plot of New Hope is pretty straightforward. You're right. It's just the rest of the the rest of the adventure, the rest of the sessions, the rest of the campaign that builds it out into this giant world.
1: Yeah, no, and I think uh, to your point there, too, is like, uh, you, know, I, you know, I'm sketching you out to fifth level, but I I think that you leave some play in that. Like, you, you do some prep, but you leave some space for that to change and kind of twist and turn a little bit. And you actually, like, you need to properly size your plot drops. Sometimes it can be a little bit verbose when I want to get this awesome thing the guy wants to say over there, but you know i think we we all look, kind of wrestle with that whether it be recaps or other things like that and i think it kind of leads back to the players talking thing. like there's a there's a certain amount of talking that's constructive and then there's all this other talking going on right and with you know just 2 hours on a night or just 6 hours on a weekend once a month like there's a there's a, eat, prepare that much right and there should be that much kind of role play kind of as a general good standard And and the story has to be, to some extent, reactive to what the players are doing. Uh, Mm -hmm. That is
3: incredibly important, since this is a collaborative storytelling event. One thing which can happen is you drop out a plot drop, which you think is concise, and you're like, well, this isn't too bad. Here we go. It's X amount of lines, blah, blah, blah. And I've seen this happen over numerous campaigns, where one player is confused, could certainly at any point bring this up to the other players in the game or the DM on the side, like, what was that about? Uh, and then they could direct them to the other players or add some clarity their character would be aware of, but then they're kind of just lost by it, or that information goes by the wayside. They're like, oh, you found some writing on a wall. Hmm, you found a journal that you decoded at a draconic. Okay, so that happened, but I don't really know what that was about or how that really ties in It grabs the, the farther corners of the plot and brings it in.
2: I, I know what you're talking about, Tony, with that, because I've experienced that in in several games uh, where it's not everyone is is on the same page with that. And that can definitely increase that lift that the DM then has to do, which will right back to Jason's question here, which is where some of it, if you're having to keep doing those heavy lifts as the DM, and that's where getting players to interact with themselves can be a little bit easier for that. Because if you're having to do that heavy lift, that can easily start to tire you out, you know. Yeah, in a big way. Like Chris, for instance, the the big reveal about your bard Razguedo in the Dragonlance campaign, where you know his father uh, is turns out to actually be Loisette of the Black Robes. I then once I said that and I knew that Chris got what I was saying because it's his character. So he knows he's looking for these people, you know, whatever. So I know he's paying attention. So once I see once he's given me his eyes got wide and he kind of shook his head, I said, OK. And then I just handed it over. Hey, why don't you fill it in? And I went and got a drink or whatever it was. Fill them in and to what the hell this means, because everyone else is like, OK, so the guy's name is Wood Whisper, whatever, you know. So that's a way to just have someone else do the heavy lifting, which goes back to our first topic, which is getting the players to talk amongst themselves. Cause that led to people asking
1: you questions, I think, too. Yes. Yeah. No, it definitely draws you out if you deliver them something like that. But it's, I mean, to your point, too, is that it it evolves. It takes time. You don't burn yourself out with the plot drop. Like, there's so much else going on in D&D. It's like Monster of the Week. You're you're exploring this dungeon. It doesn't have to be something life-altering every single thing. Like, you want to keep it a little mysterious, but yet still have lore there, right? Like, I still want to deliver stuff, but you just have to keep it, like, just focus it down. Just prepare a little bit less, right? Let, Let a little bit of it go. A little, little bit of you know, things and that can help a lot with the you know, feeling burned out from it, but you know. And if you're wired afterwards, play Diablo 4, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> bit,
0: not getting
1: down like 20 levels, and then you go to bed. You know, it's not great for the next day, but you know, it's it's a good, it's a, yeah, something like that. You know, lay down with that, lay down with a movie, and you'll find that you fall asleep soon enough, your mind gets off of it once you get off of thinking directly about it right like you're standing there thinking about it you get off do something different and it kind of helps you to get uh your mind back mm. yeah move that to your background processes you want to recap that or
3: think about that fondly like yes that was cool that's solid that that will help you uh sign off for the evening but my final thing i'm gonna say on that uh topic is players sometimes re- when they're getting you try to do a plot drop and they're confused and this has been over countless campaigns I've been in. Uh, this isn't like this one or the last one. It's happened more times than I can shake a stick at. They don't want to then seek out this information. They kind of are confused and they're like, ha. Huh. Like if I was confused, like, you know, I'd be like, okay, what was that about? And then I would kind of kick, you know, I would stir the role play pie and be like, so what am I supposed to, what is my takeaway from this? Like was some like, lore from forgotten realms i'm not following or some other source that i'm not following because then i'm missing out but other players sometimes are like yeah it's like being in class
1: like yeah i know what's going on of course i do don't test me i think a way to do that too is identify when you think there's some confusion and just restate certain things there are certain truths about your world that you uncover that it's okay to read, you know, oh, this is the name of that group or something like that. You can keep it completely organic and let make sure that they have to remember. But there's times, especially if you're looking, this is something important. Here's the name again. Because you have a whole bunch of things on your sheet that you're dealing with and stuff like that. You know, as a player, you know, as a DM, you have all this other stuff. But even as a player, it could be stressful. You know, you don't quite know what to do or this or that. or You're not quite sure what way the, the, the quest is going. So... Don't, you know, it's okay to restate things and stuff like that and make sure that everybody's on board, but it's a learning process with the plot drops because I dropped a big plot drop. last Wednesday. <laughs> Don't worry. It's an even bigger one because I think the problem was that the size, the hole was bigger. The plot drop was too small. It needed to be a little bit bigger. Just kidding.
2: <laughs> so with that, I think it's probably about that time for final thoughts. So on our very, uh, Interesting episode here where we've uh, dovetailed two different ideas, uh, getting players to talk amongst themselves. And then, in my mind, how that kind of assists Jason, Dr. DM's question about fatigue after the game, but super jazz, I can't get to bed, but then I don't want to burn out, you know, those types of things.
3: Try to create some low pressure, organic role play moments between a couple of the players where they can just expound on their character they have some details and them speaking about it will add some more foundation to your world and make it seem more solid and make them seem more believable and likable uh to the audience uh as far as plots and uh war drops and all this good stuff um yeah i would keep it keep it concise don't let anybody get uh They're going to get lost in the weed sometimes, but, you know, as Thorne also said many, many times, you got to repeat it a lot of times. People may not get it on uh, the first time or the second, but maybe on the third, you drop it in there, and if they don't capture it, then, you know, I I don't know what to say. Maybe that wasn't meant to be. As far as fatigue goes, it happens to the best of us. Um, To Chris had a great point. Yeah, maybe you're really driving yourself into the ground pregame. Like, you're really, like, you put all this energy into it, and then, you know, you wrap up your game, and you're, you just can't, like, let go. You can't really just easily bring the plane on the aircraft carrier because so much happened. But, uh, yeah, just don't immediately, if you're having that problem, don't immediately go to writing the, the next session. Let it sit. Let your brain cool off,
1: and then you'll be fresh. Yeah. Now, I think focus your prep on the players, so when you think about what you're going to do this week, focus on what they want. You paying attention to them, you see them around the table, you have a general idea about that. So not only will it help you to get your players talking because you'll start to put things in there that are relative to them and kind of and you think, oh, I need to do something for, you know, I will look, I'll be like, I need to do something for Tony this week because we haven't done something for a couple of weeks or something like that. You need to it gives you a good way to review the most important part there. And then it also kind of focuses your prep a little bit because you reach some other things and you're like, ah, this isn't really important. This isn't what they're after. This is what they like. This is what the players want. So it just makes it helps on both sides to make it a little bit easier and also to be able to give things to people that they can talk about. You know, give them something to talk about. Oh, We've yeah, Story
2: <laughs> points and plot. Yeah. Uh, um. I go back to the getting players to talk amongst themselves. Um I go back to that that idea of what I've been playing with with the narrative side story stuff and I started to drop secrets and clues for other players and their goals and their objectives in other players' narratives so that and then I would drop a little hint like, "Well, you know, William might know something about that. You should ask him." And then have the players directly ask the, play, the the other player, not ask me, and then I ask the player. Just direct them right to the player, right? Um, Tony's idea with fireside chats, campfire tales, uh, anything where you have story prompt is great. If anyone has ever played the, the game Call to Adventure, uh, it's a great way to kind of prime yourself for that because it makes you start to think about how do I tie these things together to create a story, Um, but story prompts can be great i had used them like i said on at ispin's funeral in Dragonlance. uh but that was a big heavy lift for the players and i kind of knew it uh doing it again i might have let them see it maybe a little bit beforehand uh before just turn your card and now tell me what that story is you know but that can kind of lead to some fun to jason's question though like i said man i i can't run games on a weeknight it's just my schedule doesn't allow it but I can understand, you know, if if I was running like our Saturday game or, or a Friday game on a Tuesday, that'd be a that'd be rough for the next day, man. That would really be rough. So I uh I sympathize with you on that. I you you might not have any way to change that, but shortening the time, having a a, a quicker break time is good. And then afterwards, like Chris said, play Diablo or watch a movie. Uh, for me, if you're super jazzed and you can't wait till next session because a bunch of stuff happened and that stuff's flying, then jot down a couple notes. Bullet point it out. And then the next day you can easily start to a, a lot of times if I'm super jazzed after a session, the next day I'm already written the majority of the next session because there's so much fodder there. So. But you know, I just usually go up to bed and I open a book and I read until I fall asleep and you know the next day will happen. That's gonna be it for this week, though. Guys, thanks very much. Uh, this was great. So this came from a listener question and also didn't come from a listener question because sometimes we're just on socials and we see interesting questions. But if you are a listener with a question, please send them in. You can reach us at threewiseDMs.com com in the what's your problem field. You can reach out to us directly at DMS at gmail.com, and then again, like we got from here, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Um, we're on, we're looking on those sites, but if you send us a message, um, we'll try to get it on the show. I don't really have a segue here, but you know, if you guys want dice or dice accessories, you know, check out our affiliate link at slash ref 2871 You get 10% off your whole order. There you go. But this has been great, guys. Thank you very much. And as we do each week, we will let our dear old erstwhile leader take us out.
0: Guys, it's been great playing these games with you and great talking about them here today. And thank you all for listening to this episode. We really appreciate your support. If you have any questions about anything you've heard here or want us to talk about in a future episode, please drop us a line. You can either send us an email at 3 at gmail.com. You can visit our website, 3 and use the What's Your Problem field. Or you can talk to us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We're very active on all those channels. If you like what you're hearing, please smash that five-star rating button in the podcast platform. Give us a review. Share it with your friends. We've been growing really fast, and we really appreciate all the support you've given us. So thank you again for the support for helping us make this podcast as good as it can be. That's it for this week. We'll see you next time on 3 Wise DMs.